hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hampton with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I am a very happy man today. I am here with Ross from Gallifrey's Most Wanted Podcast. Say hello, Ross. Hello, Ross. Oh, <laughs> and you only have one oh. chance to do that. <laughs> Ross, would Sorry. you do me a favour before we start? Mm-hmm. Would you tell the good people out there all about your podcast? My podcast is called, it's actually two podcasts. It's Gallifrey's Most Wanted, which started in 2017. That is me and my best friend in the world, Vic, discussing who we go doctor by doctor, episode by episode. So uh, we uh, so we did Unearthly Child, then we did Lena the Daleks, and then we start over again. We will start Jody again when her, when her year ends. May that not be oh. for many years. Um, but, and then, um, about a, not even a year ago, we're on, me and Jeff have done about Jeff, um, Gallifrey and Gothic Jeff, uh, joined us as a guest. And then me and him started another podcast called the Runcible Report. And we will talk about almost anything who our next episode will drop tomorrow our time. So whatever, whenever that is, uh, we're talking about the first episodes of every doctor and we just change subjects. Um, me, Vic, and Jeff, and someone else, our next one is going to be a special run support where we're going to, four of us are going to get together and decide who would we cast as the next doctor. Oh, that sounds incredible. We, have, we each get two choices. So oh, it'll be... Um, so, Jeff, who uh, viewers of this podcast would know, who did um, a commentary on a resolution from the end of series 11 and uh the rescue and the ghost monument which he practically begged me to do i have to say to you because that's his favorite episode did he cry no he didn't didn't, he didn't cry (laughs) but but he was very insistent well he thought that had gone and so he was he was devastated and then i was like oh the person i was talking to about that's kind of like slipped away so he's like right it's mine it's mine i was like okay you can have it you can have it it is it is it is absolutely his favorite uh, Jody episode. I think it's his favorite Doctor Who episode. I agree. I cannot I cannot disagree with him on that. Well, okay, so, uh, this is the question I said I was going to fire at you, uh, but okay. I, said I wanted to do it when it was on mic. So, and this is the question that will gain or lose us listeners immediately, okay? <laughs> Where do you fall with the Chibnall stroke Jodie Whittaker era of Doctor Who? What do you think? I love it. I love it. I, I don't understand. Everybody's allowed their own taste, mm-hmm. but there are people that, and I'm a huge Moffat apologist. Matt Smith is my doctor now. Oh, he no. has become Matt. It, he became my doctor with the eleventh hour, mm-hmm. and I've loved him since then. But I've been watching Who since 1977. I'm not. I'm never going to judge. I'll have my personal preferences of eras. But that era is that era. That says two was running the show. John Nathan turned around the show for 10 years. And they're two. And that's he's got two eras in there. He's got the say word and the cartmel. I'd say it's three. just different people. You got huh? you got Bidmead in there as well, which I think is very oh, I different. Forgot. Again. Three. Yeah. three totally separate eras and one producer. It's things change. I love it. And it was a ref- I loved Davies and Moffat, but I find the Chibnall Jody era refreshing. Because there's something it's new and vibrant. 
or visually, I oh, find for sure. that they brought in, they bought a new tech and brought in new special effects people, and it is stunning 4K glory. <laughs> it looks lovely, and it is simpler. And that's it kind of a relief, right? That's kind of a relief after some as pretty as, sophisticated storytelling. Too much of the big bad, too much of that Buffy model where you beat the big bad to death. I don't mind a through line, but sometimes trying to tie up something, it just, just keep it simple. Tell me these one and dones. I do like a two parter. I do like a two parter in modern who, because 15 minutes is a really hard time to tell a story. And I don't want to go back to my childhood where your shows, nothing carried on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Something happened to the actor. We're both Star Trek fans, original Star Trek. Everything resets, the characters learn nothing. Yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'd say that's kind of true of classic Who as well. On the whole, obviously, there are character implications but sometimes. Yeah. But on the whole, look at Adric. Adric died, and then the next episode is like, well, he's dead. Oh, well, let's go to the great, Expi you know. Okay, well, that's happened. On with the story. Oh, yeah, he's died. Now we're going to punish you. We're going to take you to time play. Yeah. <laughs> Someone did Time Flight recently and did a stunning defense of that story. You know, you got to listen to that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding. I, I listened to a podcast called Episodes of Death. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. And they only did a few of them. They did about 10 of them where someone came on and had to convince the person who hosted it why his story was a good one. And sometimes, and a lot of times, you know, I see your point. And other times, like, no, nah, you, you didn't win me over. I'm glad you like it. And then he would ask them, which one would you get rid of? Oh. Which popular one would you get? And there were some ones who were like, I would not have said that into a recording. It's not, oh, I don't, <laughs> I, that's like the joy of this though, right? Is that everyone's coming at this from a, a different experience of the show with a very different opinion of the show. Um, and I think the best podcast, and I'm not going to suggest mine one of the best podcasts, but I think the best podcast. I will. Yours is one of the best podcasts. I love your podcast. Okay, well, I guess I was fishing there a little. But, um, <laughs> the best podcast are the ones where you can have two disparate opinions, where where they talk about what they think of, of it, but they don't argue. And it's not just ripping something to pieces, you know? And, I, and they're listening to each other, and they're both learning, you know? Oh, no. I mean, me and Jeff really, really disagree on a lot of who. And that's but healthy. We love, right? we love talking about it. Mm. And, you know, he will, he, you know, he hates listen, hates it wow. with a visceral vengeance. Not, I mean, it's not as bad as my hatred of Kilman. But, <laughs> but everything he ever said about it, like the doctor sitting on top of the TARDIS, yeah, it's cheesy as hell. Yeah, of course it is. But it's I kind of like that moment. I personally love the episode, but the stuff I have a problem with the Danny Pink, oh Clara re, re, boy uh, relationship because one, the, neither the actors have no chemistry, and that's not their fault. That's that's accidental. But you know you, what I mean? You think you think if you were doing, I mean, God, oh man, we could talk about this for hours. You think um, if you were gonna build a season around a relationship between the main regular and somebody else, that you would absolutely ensure that there's chemistry. It's like the pair in um, the Christmas special, the superhero one, Return of Doctor Mysterio. Zero chemistry between the pair of them. None at all. I'm gonna ask you something. I'm thinking he needs to reevaluate his who his partner should be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she is not a nice person, is she? 
No, no, no. I do love her as an actress. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a decent performance, but the way she's written, she she is. Uh, she's written like show. Lois Lane. That's Lois Lane. As a longtime comic fan, that is. They definitely love, have a love affair with the Richard Donner Superman movies. That's Margot Kidder's Lois Lane. But you know, okay, um, with the the Chibnera as a whole, I think that, and I'm very guilty of this myself. There's a lot of comparisons being made. Yeah, the, they'll compare it to Davies. They'll compare it to Moffat. Um, you know, I do it uh, favorably with with you know with my opinion favorably in Chibnall's uh, corner. I think like it's time now that we just take it as an era of its own and exactly. just celebrate it's what, what do. it's doing. You know, when she was announced and he was announced. There was an automatic backlash, and, I, and it was on the internet because I remember I, it was the first time I was meeting my mother-in-law. Oh wow! What the same day? And I had the day the the day the, the the trailer dropped and Jody the Jody reveal dropped. Wow! And I spent half I spent an hour and a half in my wife's then girlfriend's bedroom on the computer, going on Twitter, oh, watching the world implode. It was a shitstorm, wasn't it? Oh my god! It's like walking to a Jiffy John. After a concert. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you a question, horrific though? Horrific biohazard of just hatred oh, and people awful. I loved and respect saying shit. Can I cuss on this? Yeah, of course you can. Okay, the shit, just saying shit that they, I, I know you. I know you're not a misogynistic prick, but you sound like one. Yeah. She's not done a single scene. Yeah. You have no idea. She's a competent actress. Her scene in the first episode at Broadchurch where she break down when the child, oh she sees her. God. I, I've not watched a single second after that. It's incredible, that performance. I mean, her performance throughout that. Do you know what? I'm going to say very quickly. She's given, like, phenomenal acting opportunities in Broadchurch where she can kind of take it up to 12 and really show what she can do. I don't think they've got her there yet in Doctor Who. Now, I think she's given incredible performances. Don't get me wrong. I think she's been fantastic. That'll go to my defense of Chibnall's decisions. Is, yes, they haven't given it to her. Um, And I'll use the last, um, let me use the last three seasons of uh, Moffat as an example. I'm not a, I love Peter Capaldi. I love his Doctor. Mm-hmm. It's a doctor that really spoke to me as an older. I'm older. I'm in my fifties. That kind of like that kind of. Uh, am I a good man? I am a good man. And then the end. It's it's a story in three acts. Uh-huh. And it's and it is Moffat for all his crash and burns at the end of seasons. And I love him, but there are times where it's like, oh crap, I got to tie all this stuff up, and I've made a mess of it. <laughs> and people go, what about the plot holes? Eh, that's the stuff I don't care about anymore. Yeah. It's not. I don't believe in plot holes. I believe in it's the author's giving you what you need to know for the emotional moment at the denouement at the ending of the story. Some of it, I'm a big fan of the show Lost. There are big, huge things they fought. They went, yeah. it's not We're moving on. It's not important. At the end of a Moffat season, I think I think sometimes he's just like, oh, okay, just tie it up quickly, and then you can tell he's so excited to move on to the next thing. You know, the say his second season, that final episode of his second oh, season is my. just like one of the worst episodes. I love him, and it is a hard to watch piece of yeah. TV. Mm. But I think Chibnall's planning this out. I think that the first yeah, season was this season. We're going to see that the first season of his is I'm just going to show you old style Doctor Who. I'm going to simplify it. 
I'm not going to have the big bad. We'll have Teeth Face, Tim Shaw, back at the end. We're not having an arc. I'm going to introduce you to these characters and make them real to you. People have a complaint that he doesn't give them enough to do, and I, I can't argue that it's not – no, I Somewhat think true. there are very relevant criticisms of this era, I think. There are. He does not take time, but he is a writer who doesn't like the set, doesn't really care about the sound of his own voice. Mm. And very I'm not true. saying that in a bad way, but there are writers, and Moffat and Davies are definitely two writers that like the sound of their own words. Do and it's why they became writers. Do you and think after like, like 10 seasons of that, of... of authors we that. needed a breather yeah we needed a table to take a breath and she is wonderful she is full of energy and so he made us see her as this one just positive person and there's nothing could go wrong in her world and in this season about midway through he kicked her in the stomach uh -huh. and, then, <laughs> and then he did it in the in the season finale and he he did didn't do anything else that any other brave Doctor Who creator had ever done by flipping the script on the show. I I think in the episode that we're about to talk about, which we haven't even mentioned yet, nearly 15 minutes and in. We, we have been talking for two and a half hours. We, we have. <laughs> man, guys, if I could have pressed record on the conversation that we just had, I've heard some phenomenal stories. Um, <laughs> but I think in this episode is one of the single greatest scenes in Doctor Who. And I posted it on Twitter earlier, so a few people have already seen that. Um, uh, it dramatically, conceptually, in how it's realised, I think it's nigh on perfect. And I won't often say Doctor Who is perfect. Uh, but we'll I get... think this is, this is, I think this is a pretty perfect episode of television. I love TV. That's my medium, really. Um, and I've watched a lot of it in 56 years that and uh, me and Jeff are going to drop an episode where I talk about Unearthly Child. I think it is a perfect television pilot. It is flawless. I think it's the greatest one I've ever seen because it's just brilliant. And it's done as a three as a three camera TV play. I'm like, come on. But I think this is this is near almost near that perfect this episode. And I like, really do. I don't think Doctor Who now I think is a consistently very good show. There are uh, rare occasions where everything comes together, like direction, like acting, like uh, writing. Everything comes together seamlessly. I think City of Death hits it. I think there's a couple of times during Hinchcliffe's time, a few eighty stories, um, some of the rusty, like it's, but it's not often. Now, no, no, there are, I mean, is... I think they're probably 10 perfect. Yeah. And I, if you, City of Death, I would just, I'm, this is one that may get me butchered on the internet, but I'm not a big City of Death fan. And that's I don't think it's bad, but it doesn't, hit that, it doesn't hit that sweet spot for me. I've, I've spoken to a few people where that's the case. I've spoken to someone who thinks the Twin Dilemma is near perfect. There are many types of Doctor Who fan out there. But I do think, yeah, when, you know, you and I are, I'm going to say we're intelligent men, um, people write off this entire era. Now, when you when you produce something as 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 confident as Fugitive of the Jadoon, I don't understand. I just can't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand that argument that, that, that the entire I era don't... is shit. Well, my thing is, that the, um, and everybody, the people who dislike it, you're entitled to that. Mm. You have 50 some other years to go back and watch. 
you know, um, uh, there are a lot of new who fans, uh, the th uh, new who fans that were never going to give old who a chance. And then I think the Twitch viewing. Oh yeah. That really changed that. I think it's one of the best thing ever happened to who is it because of one, the heart and I love, um, Do you remember that meme? Was it uh, London 1965? And all yeah, the kids I, were saying it. But see, and they they dismiss this, and they go, "Well, he doesn't know what he's doing." And it's like, this man's been writing television for a long time now. Um, you know, and people go, "Well, they it's the show's dying." It's like he's in his third he's in his third season and the bbc is paying him they're making they're making the money they want to make i think they could make more money off of who i'm big like, but i don't think i don't think they exploit it enough but you know and they, they could they, keep growing their audience but he's doing what he's asked to and he's incredibly smart there's he doesn't care what the people who don't like him think no i know he's not on social media he doesn't care <laughs> you don't write his paycheck all he has to do he's been hired to write his favorite childhood show to the best of his ability. And that's what he's doing. I think as well. I think, where, doing, I think he's doing a great job. Where people say, you know, oh, Doctor Who's dying, it's going to be cancelled. Um, Revolution of the Daleks was in like the top five programs of the week when it went out. Like oh. this show is not dying. It's getting oh, decent no. ratings to keep it on there. I have I have stopped. I the one thing that makes me chime into it, because I try to avoid some of that debate because it's just I'm not a I don't want, I'm not going to spend my energy trying to convert you to my style of Doctor Who fan, because that's my style of Doctor Who fan. Every, you know, we're like snowflakes, not in the bad way. We're all different and beautiful. You know what I mean? Oh, and they're all different. They're, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think it's certainly worth the discussion if we've got two opposing viewpoints. Oh, no. And me and Jeff do it. And I, I do it with Vic, my best friend. We don't agree on a lot of stuff in the other podcasts. And I like I like going, well, this is what I like. I will say something. I will never say something is the best. I always say what well, is my favorite. I, we don't want to. I don't want to. You, there's no winner in life. There's no winner in art. And, you don't get a prize at the end. The, the, the thing I will always say is like there is no facts when it comes to opinion it's all subjective but, oh, yes, but people is. think that there are facts people think that there are a, there is a definitive opinion you know okay and people and they so i will jump into the ratings well the ratings are this and i said one ratings are an archaic measurement of television yeah well i don't think they have been so for probably 20 years yeah they there is no nielsen rating which is how we rated television over here you know, we they design shows for specific demographics now. Mm -hmm. And audiences, you know, well, you know, Dr. Duran, Tom Baker got 15 million viewers in England. Yeah, you guys had two freaking channels. <laughs> How many what, channels what are there now, like, Ross? How many channels? <laughs> Thousands. Oh, my God. I don't have cable now, and I've got, you know, we have, you know, now you have streaming services. Uh -huh. You know, and it's like my friends go, well, you know, my friends are like, well, you could downsize. You, you, you don't need all your DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff like that. It's like they've moved Modern Who streaming services three times in the last five years. In I promise you this. Yeah. I, OK, I'm going to make a prediction. I think Doctor Who will be produced by a streaming service in the future. I think at some point, whatever's happening with the BBC, and it ain't good. What's happening with the BBC at the moment? With Doctor Who will be handed oh over God. and it will continue on the streaming service. 
And that is the next natural step for the show to make. It's going to be like, it could be a brand like MCU or Star Wars or at Disney. And I will say this, I don't want, I mean, I'm not, I like the little engine that could version of Doctor Who, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. That it always had. But I mean, I think what Disney's doing with Star Wars is amazing because it's yeah. picked producers who love the show, Dave Fellini and John Favreau, to run that. Kevin Feig at MCU is like, I'm not going to do the story. I'm going to do adaptation or I'm going to take elements from the comics that I read as a kid. He's a little younger than me. So he read the same stories I did and adapt them and be faithful to the character. And if, you know, if, if the BBC is going to sell it to somebody, sell it to somebody that, you know, I mean, Lucas, the woman who runs Lucas Films for Disney was Lucas's producer of the of a yeah. lot of his stuff well, they hired somebody who had when a vested they, interest in the franchise do you remember when they when they announced like that massive spin-off shows that they were going to do and they dropped it all in one day we're going to do all it and i thought oh man they're just going to dilute this brand it's going to be terrible well i've watched some of that stuff and it's bloody brilliant like it's really good one division oh, the- oh no one division is not star was it but no um that's mcu but some of this spin-off stuff is better than some of the movies oh. you know I'll put it this way. That's a great take. I grew up with Scarlet Witch Invasion. The first comic I ever read was Avengers 105, mm. which is 1972. Hawkeye was in it, except he wore a mini skirt and a headband. It was the 70s. <laughs> but I watched, those are characters I grew up with. Watched them meet, fall in love, get married, have the children, and then split up. Mm. I've been reading their stories for 50 years. And I loved WandaVision, and there was a love of those characters yeah. in that. It's not the same characters, it's the movie versions, but there's a love of it. And that's if, if BBC does something, they have to make sure. Well, I don't know, because right now the people in charge of your BBC don't really give a crap about art, because no. it's not. No. It, it, I, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Rusty Davis predicted that the BBC is going to fall over a cliff. I don't think he's wrong. Um Okay, look, I'm going to press play on this episode because this is already the longest intro we've ever done on Hands Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't it's you dare apologise. It's wonderful. Um, but um, shall we skip into Fugitive of, of the Judoon, an episode that we both love? Oh, my God, yes. I was very excited. I'm very grateful to be here. I've been, I hadn't got to the point where I was going to send you a random message and beg you. I think I reached and, out to you, didn't I? I sent you a message. Yes, you did, because I asked Jeff when I because Jeff didn't didn't let on that you were going to ask me, and then I messaged him. Oh my God, he asked me, and I'm doing Prisoner of the Jadoon, and he went, Oh man, and he was a little jealous, and I was like, Good. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've just summed up a, a friendship beautifully there. <laughs> I don't know, but it, oh, hold on a second. While we're talking about this, I got to reset my my video player. Why are you not working? But I will tell this story um, that you messaged me and I went, oh, my God. I said, Joe sent me a message. I'm excited and I can't wait. He goes, and Jeff admitted, he goes, and I, the way I understood, the way I interpreted what happened was like you asked him, would I like to do it? Yeah, that's right. And he just went, yeah, which he was underplaying how much I wanted to do it. (laughs) Well, <laughs> I've been talking about it, and you know, I, um, I, I listened. The first one I listened to yours was Conrad and you doing Oh Kinder. 
Oh my God. And that is one of my favorite Doctor Who stories of all time. Uh, what? I mean, geez, what a smart, charming bloke as well. You know? He's amazing. He did an episode with us about action figures, and it was four grown men talking about their dollies. I, I, um, I, you know, as a complete side note, I met him the other day in London for like the first time. Oh, did you? You oh, swear to God. You I'm, think... I'm going to get to meet him in LA in February. You think we were a couple? We were like hugging across the table and holding hands. And I, like we're in the middle of like Shad Thames and people are looking over like, oh, oh, lovely. They're on a date. You know, <laughs> it was not like that at all, but oh, it was lovely. I can't wait. I, I messaged him. I waited. Um, he's a guest at Galley. He's, he's going to be at Galley this year. And I'm just, I, I can't wait to meet him. I messaged him. I said, uh, when you're in LA, I would uh, love to, you know, have me and my wife take you to dinner. Oh, amazing. Well, I promise and you this. And he was like, I'd be glad to. I can't wait. It's, I've been, you know, I was supposed to go to Galley last year. So almost like, I've had to restart my Blu-ray player. So I'm getting <laughs> toward the, to where I can hit the damn play button. So, Ross, if you could count us in. All right, five, four, three, two, one. Boom. Here we go. God, I love these credits. Oh, me too. Like visually and the music. I love both. I do. I do too. I thought um, I was going to miss Morigold. I thought I was. I do. I like Morigold. But it took me a few episodes for the new, uh, and I cannot rem- uh, remember how to pronounce his name. Sekin Akanola. I think that's how you say um but there are moments in that i love in this season it's even more dead on i think he picked up like the pace in series 12. i think he got it okay so joe, See, joe martin joe martin and some lens flare there's plenty of <laughs> lens flare in this mate i'm telling you in this episode <laughs> but i don't mind it i what i love about i mean i mean if you're listening this there's you know, you've watched it, I hope, most likely. I bloody hope but, so, because we're going to spoil the hell out of it. So. <laughs> but it starts as such a simple, like, yeah. oh, okay, these are the characters who are going to get wrapped up in the Doctor's adventure. Nothing special. No hinting. There's no, the music doesn't trigger anything. The camera doesn't trigger anything. This is these are, people. This is a couple. Yeah. Their normal morning hello. And I love that. I love the fact that this, and he's playing a game with you here, because I know Chibnall's hands in this, that this is the most inoffensive opening you could possibly find. And it ends with the most epic revelations. He, he thinks he's giving you plain vanilla ice cream. Yeah. And at the end, you're getting cake and cake. It's just, it's mind blowing. It is masterful. But on its own it's terms, man. this is very charmingly done. I think all of this, this is like day in her life. That we get warm this whole scene this warm happy scene the little doggy everything it's just this is a happy person who's living a happy life and i think and, it's, it's like staggering when you watch joe martin's performance here and then later on when she's beep um i think i, <laughs> I think there's it's there's like a gulf between the two no, it's it really made me respect her as an actor. I thought she was when I'm watching it the first time. I'm like, this is a really good performance. She's got good energy. I like this whole thing. I, you know, the whole bit about I, I know stuff and blah uh-huh. blah blah. When she's when she's uh, husking her or whatever barking, we'd call it a carnival barker, barking, you know, out her pitch. But it's a wonderful performance, and they're letting her perform. 
And the, all these little side – you get to meet little people in her town that her her friends, well, you too. See, it's really you see that old woman sitting there on the bench, yeah? Okay, so I, I – think I, of my I, wife. She's a crocheter. Well, oh, okay. So my, my partner, Ludo, knits. Um, and that old woman is, is on every bench in England, okay? Every single one. Oh, my word. This fella in the cafe, he makes me die. <laughs> So, I was a barista for 10 years. Oh, okay. You make a nice coffee. And there, yeah, uh, I made an adequate coffee. Uh, but <laughs> but the, the angry, bitter, I'm alone, a lot of baristas. <laughs> <laughs> it's accurate then. Here, I'm going to tell you how your life isn't right. But let me, you know, you've been drinking your coffee wrong all this time. I know. love his, his really fucking shit what you could do better cake that comes out later oh my god oh 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 my favorite part of this is when he when he gives his own nickname it's because you don't get to make your yeah. own, it's not a nickname if you've made it up oh he's like every she's amazing she's really good i mean he's really good this is a great little bit as an actor you're going i'm gonna get paid to do these two three scenes it's one day's work and I, it's going to be fun. I'm I'm in. Okay. And now it's a Doctor Who episode. This is though. This is the first of Chibnall's ploys, because this is the big surprise in the episode. You're supposed to think the Jaduna in it. This is this is what this episode's all about. Yeah. Do you? I Yeah. Exactly. Do you think he really? You know, he's very good about keeping secrets. Do you think he, that he made a point of letting them? take photographs of the Judo. I oh, mean, they're going into the middle of Gloucester. But he was like, oh, no, let him take photos. You remember in Spyfall how he, like, expertly hit the master in that first episode? Like like, like no other showrunner has done since the show came back. Speaking of Spyfall, I mean, we're talking Spyfall. That reveal at the end of episode one. <laughs> Terrific. And then you're going, oh, my God, how is he going to top it? Well, I think what Chibnall's learned is don't put it all in the pre-publicity because then people will talk about the twist and then they'll watch it on the iPlayer afterwards. They'll be like, oh my God, did you watch that? There was an amazing twist in it. And this is the best example of that in this episode, I think. Oh, we're in the TARDIS. I, I, I love this scene with them actually, they, them using the TARDIS a little better. And then it, I love this set. The set had to grow on me. I, I love everything I, I about like, it, but the enormous penises. Sorry. There's a lot. Sorry. But now they go up and down. And... Well, that's even more alarming, I'm telling you. <laughs> but what's nice here but... is in the first season, they didn't, she didn't tell them she was a Time Lord, she was from Gallifrey, any of this stuff. Well, you don't, which is like re-inspect to where I think he reset. Yeah. Like, and I think, I mean, I think every producer kind of resets. Um, Rose is a complete reset. Mm -hmm. Um, Eleventh Hour is a reset. The pilot is a reset. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think at this point, though, they've earned this information. You know, they've been by her side for a lot of trouble. She trusts them, and she's she's basically telling this. This is the bit where they find out where she's from, what's happened to Gallifrey. It's like the superhero. Yeah, it's like the superhero telling his friends his super identity. You don't get it on page three. You but know, I, you I, I think um, in previous showrunners times like with martha she got a lot of it straight away because i think the, they they know the audience know this already because they've been on the journey to this point so they just kind of yeah. get it over and done with i prefer this approach i think 
of just like I do too. Game. I like the mystery, and I have no problem with them putting the mystery back into Who. I mean, I think the Cartmelia of of old Who is amazing because he he makes them mysterious. Can I let you into a little secret? I think, you know, Sylvester McCoy's doctor talks about, like, you know, his time back in the day of Rassilon and the old secrets and all of this. I think the McCoy doctor knew about the time of this child. He's the only one who knew about it. And then that knowledge was gone with the next one. I think that's, I'd like that. It's got to be better. I've never read, I own all the books and I've never read Lungbarrow. Oh, oh, you should read that. That's a terrific I, Well, I'm going I'm to commit. I'm a bad fan. I bought all the new adventures and never read them. I've been trying to read the first one for 30 years, and I'm about to finish it. It's so bad. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not going to lie to you. It's a bumpy road. But there I, are some I read all the Eighth Doctor ones. What do you um, What do you think of the Jadoon as a monster, as a, as a race? I love them. I love them. I've liked them for the first one. I think they are, one, they're reusable. Yeah, for sure, yeah. They can be the villain, but they're MacGuffinists. They're the MacGuffins MacGuffin in this. It's like, look at this hand with the rhino people. <laughs> yeah. my, 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 other, my other podcasting partner, Vic, loves it. These are her favorites. What did you do? Oh, yeah. She got, she'll do the rofo, rofo, rofo. She loves it. Was it? Um, so but he goes one better than that, doesn't he? He's like, look at my left hand. Here's the Richard dude. Look at my right hand. Here's Captain Jack. Oh, wait, the real surprise is behind me somewhere, you know? Oh, it's oh my so God, he's, he's doing it. You don't, you know, and they let it leak that Bad Jack was coming back. Yeah. So you would worry about that. Uh-huh. Oh, this, oh, how is he coming back? This old woman dies here in a minute, right? And after the death I of Vilma. Of my wife, I thought of my wife. That took me nine weeks. <laughs> but do you remember Vilma dying in Orphan 55? Benny! Oh my god. They've got the thing about killing old women in this series, right? Yeah, he might does he have maternal is someone uh, have a mother complex or something? The animatronics on that mask are phenomenal. Oh my god. The the, the tech they use, and I think they're are they enhancing it, the new video company enhancing it maybe with some Possibly. a little CGI touch yeah. up, just a little airbrushing. It just, it looks like an actual perk. That effect, the effect of when she disintegrates, the special effects are so, and I didn't think, I mean, there was nothing wrong with the special effects before. No, 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 no. And I, I, you can definitely see it progressing over the seasons. Oh, yeah. What I like this is she's, the Joe Martin is here. All we know right now is this woman's terrifying. Yeah. We have, there is no foreshadowing. But did you did you notice the sequence right at the beginning, the very first scene, where she goes off to work and the camera lingers on her husband for about ten it. seconds, and you're like, okay, so there's our hook. He's, he knows something, or he is something. That's why because they you know they they reinforce his force narrative that he's going to use to protect her later. Yeah. That's what they foreshadow, everything he's doing. I love this, when he just gets zapped out of it, and you're like, well, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like... Oh, my God. Her fear is real, though. Like, she's playing that for real. Oh, no. it's And it's kind of like that same thing in human nature. Mm. Tenet's performance in human nature, where I'm not playing the doctor. You know, I'm not playing the doctor. She's playing Ruth. I forget that she's the doctor. Her performance is so good as this character. I know. 
I love Bradley um, Walsh. I do. I'm a. I, he's so good. So we were talking recently about who's your companion that was in it. I said I didn't have a companion that I could, you know, who was like me until Bradley Walsh because I know all white guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they you do. Know, I mean, I was 20 when Adric came in, and I wanted to, you know. I am still <laughs> so sad. That, well, not sad that Evelyn Smythe exists because I think she's fantastic. But I'm sad there hasn't been an older female companion on television. Somebody like Amelia Rumford from Stones of Blood or... Uh, I would love it. You know, somebody like that who is very eccentric. Imagine getting Emilda Stanton. Oh, imagine Miriam Margulies or someone like that. <laughs> would there be enough room uh, on the set for anyone other than her? She'd be chewing the scenery. Colin Baker or Miriam, Miriam Margulies. <laughs> that, would be some, that needs some energy. That piece of energy. Look at and that. Just let her cuss. And just let her cuss. <laughs> so Jodie Whittaker in these scenes where she um, confronts the Jatoon, she's marvellous here. Like, she's... She's running these scenes. She is so dead. People are like, well, she's not as, you know, she doesn't understand the doctor. And it's like going, yeah, she does. I mean, she knew it. I mean, I don't, I don't think any actors really miss the mark with no, the doctor because they're allowed to create so much of it. But there's a lot of second doctor in her. I mean, there's a lot of second doctor in every doctor after him because it is the, what, what? um, the, the, the comical yet serious, the comical and then threatening that he introduces. But she is, the energy she has. And she does, I think she does humour really well. In a minute where she's um, bargaining for time and it's like, you know, 10 minutes. No, five minutes. No, four minutes. Oh, okay, I'll take five minutes. She's just really, like, she has that, she can do, like, pacey comedy really well. She does, she does. She understands timing. She understands. She understands her tools as an actor. That face of hers that everybody either loves or hates. I love it. She knows that she can. It's there. Also, as well, I think she, she came to the series fully formed. I don't think always the actors do. I think some oh, actors no, no. kind of grow into the role. I think there's no point where Jodie Whittaker doesn't think that she deserves to be the Doctor. You know, she just gives a hundred percent all the time. I think her, Tom Baker, yeah. yeah, but the rest, I can't think of any, I mean, and sometimes it's not their fault, it's what they start with, but she is just, she is consistent from the minute she falls through the roof of that train and the woman that fell to earth. So when you, when they give her heavier moments, moments in this season, mm. they're well earned and you get to see how it's affecting her because you've seen the happy traveler. Do you remember that sequence in um, Haunting of Villa Diodati where she's like, this isn't such a flat team structure after all. You know, what we're going to do is going to affect it. And she's right in Ryan's face. And I was like, I really sat back and I was like, whoa, more of that, please. I want to see more of that. I wanted to, you know, I, and I, like I said, it's, there's this, it's a, Chibnall's planning it. It's there's there's very little of that in the first season. I'm wondering in this if season there's more of it going forward in the next season. We're gonna see a bit more of that. You know those teeth. I I, I think you're right. I, I'm so looking forward to the season. I'm looking forward to the changes they've made, and I'm looking forward to see if he decides to continue this plot or just kind of hold it in his back pocket. We don't know. I mean, he's a smart producer. I think you're right, though. I think there's definitely a long game here. I think there's a game. Oh, he's not. He's. It's like Broadchurch was three. He goes three seasons. 
So yeah. he had it plotted out. You know, it's he's, you can't do this. I think I think the weakness in the Moffat era is the seat of the pants aspect he had, where yeah. Russell Davies rewrote every word. I, I always like um, I'm kind of nabbing this from a friend of mine, Nathan. But uh, with Rusty Davis, I always felt like uh, he wrote a really decent season of Doctor Who, and then he perfected it with the three subsequent years. So it's, they're pretty similarly structured. Moffat for six seasons did something completely different every year, and God bless him, that is experimental as hell, and and good on him. Chibnall, I think, has absolutely got a beginning, a middle, and an end planned out. I think he's. I think he's that meticulous. He's that anal. It's just he's he's going to do it. Uh, and he brought back a character that he worked. You know, Jack was. I mean, he was the head right one of the head writers of of Torchwood. Unless he knows not, Jack probably as much as well as Moffat does. Like, do you go anywhere near social media when these episodes air? Because when Jack appears, Twitter blew. It just blew up. People were I so have to, I have to I have to confess that uh, I find the way in America we get it the same day you do, mm-hmm. but we get it on BBC America with commercials. I don't have cable, so I have to find a downloadable version of it. What I tend to do <clears throat> is I turn off my phone because it's not available for me here on some like me using a VPN to go into you know and watch it overseas oh, okay. until after you guys have seen it. Oh, of course. So yeah, I, have to wait. I can watch it yeah. about an hour after it's ended over there. So I will on those days. I'm like, I tell my wife, it's like from three to whatever. Leave me the hell alone. Is that and so did you turn your phone off just to avoid spoilers so you can? Watch I don't program. go on computer. I just yeah, read comics sense. and I watch. I, what I will do is I will watch other Doctor Who or just because I don't I don't mind spoilers, but I because he can keep a secret. I really keep, you know, and I'm glad none of this was ruined for me. I mean, I got lucky. People, some stuff got ruined. I didn't care if Jack was coming back. Jack, I like Jack, but Jack's not one of my favorite characters. No, and yeah. and I I really enjoy Jack, but he's not one of my favorites either. If I'm honest, he yeah, he, he's I like him better, and I like him in certain episodes. And he's, I like him in certain Torchwood. I prefer him in Torchwood. Oh, really? See, I'm the other way around. I prefer him in Doctor Who. I think he's a bit more fun in, in Doctor Who than he was in Torchwood. Well, I, I kind of like that. I really, especially, the th- I, I think the third season of Torchwood is a masterpiece of screwing with is your head. that Children of Earth? Yes. Oh, my. I, I still think that's one of the best seasons of any television show. It is. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to punch you in the stomach. Yeah. I've never been so upset in my life and not turn the TV off. I was going to watch one. I got the whole series at one time on um, a bootleg copy, and I, I had just seen a play. I'd gone to see one of the Harry Potter movies with some friends of mine, and the, the husband handed me, oh, I got this for you. I know you don't have it yet. And I'm like, ah, I'll watch episode one and go to bed. Stayed up all night and watched that, and it ended in the middle of the night. And I turned the lights on in my apartment and I watched something light and fuzzy. Yeah, you needed to. You needed to after that. It did, but I like him. That's a terrible die job. That is what I call a tele Jack's die job. Yeah, that's what I call a televangelist die job. And he's talking about like um, Bradley Walsh having grey on his temples. I like, don't point yeah, out he, the fact that he's he's dyed his hair. Come on. It's it's my my. I have a very white beard, and my wife goes, "Why don't you want to?" Would you ever dye your beard? And I said, no, you look like a televangelist or a pedo. I'm not, I'm, that's a not natural color of black. Uh, I love this. I do. And still, we're what? How, how far in are we in this? About 17 minutes. 17 minutes, and there is no hint that there is this huge underlying story other than 
the boyfriend may be now okay ooh they have an alien box so what is the boy what's the husband done or the boyfriend done I love it but I love but this the fact that there's this, this there, there is a big mystery at the heart of this as well suggests that something is going to be revealed but I don't think anyone knew the scale of what, oh, what would I, be revealed. you know as a long time TV viewer I was watching hey, it'll be something simple it's something that you do the doctor will save the day and the Janoon will go away and it's just you know it's just a it's just a one because Chibnall does all these great one and dones have you have um, you noticed um like the pace of this like this started running and it hasn't slowed down I think that there was a deliberate choice after the kind of the measured, almost sedate pace sometimes of series 11 to pick up the pace in series 12. But I think a lot of the stories, they, they just fly by at a furious pace. Um, I think, I think, I, I think you're right. I think there is a different tempo. I think, and I think that might be planned is we're going to have a very mellow tone. He also might've gone in those were 50 minutes and they felt like 55. Yeah. So yeah, if yeah. I want it to be 50 minutes, it should feel like 50 minutes. So I have to create a pacing to where it's even. And I think there's but some, I do, some episodes in series 12 where they get that kind of sprint perfect and i think this is a great example of that because this just builds momentum as it goes and there's other times where and i just released orphan 55 the other day which i do really like but it's just too fast for me there's just too much going on all the time you know yeah that's an episode that needed another 10 minutes yeah yeah absolutely. i think you need, you need to do what davies did is sometimes i'm gonna need 60 minutes sometimes i'm gonna need 45 i'm just gonna give you just give me a window um I don't know the actor who plays the partner Neil Stook. Is it Stook? Yeah, Stoke? I, uh, he has been in other stuff. Is he just a journeyman TV guy, probably? Yeah, yeah. One of those ones that sort of turns up in yeah, like like every show. But he's very good. And, oh no, he's very, the the casting in this episode is amazing. Um, he he has I'll, a lot of stuff. I'll, I'll gush about Joe later. He sits there okay. in the in the apartment in a second in a completely silent scene, and holds the attention. You know, no, no, yeah, it's not like you don't know. It's he. I love the fact that we still think the story's about him. Yeah, well, that's another diversion, isn't it? That's another um, finger pointing. Him in the and other the Jadun are all MacGuffins until we get to the everything else. I mean, it just. Do you think when they sat down, like when Veno? Patel sat down with Christian and said, right, how are we going to do this? Because this is this is our end game. We've got this amazing twist. And do you think they were like, right, how many different ways can we distract people away from? <laughs> from oh, this? yeah. And I think they did it because I loved his episode in, in season 11. What, Demons of the Punjab? That's actually uh, the, my favourite episode of that season. Uh, it is. Uh, I love historicals. I, uh, and I, the partition is not taught over here because it's not, you no, know, we weren't here, involved here in either. it. It's not taught here either. Oh, I would think, uh, you know, it, it's such a great story, a wonderful cast, and it's about love and family and all that and death and grief, and it's such a good episode. I mean, I think that they, um, I, th I put on Twitter the other day that the last 10 minutes of Punjab dramatically and visually it's some of my favorite television it's just beautiful it's really got me it was one there i got a little oh my god oh i love this villain gat because she's a little bit rubbish oh my and god so she reminds oh. me of a classic doctor who villain you know 
Oh, I know, I know. It's what gets me is, uh, have you watched Umbrella Academy? Oh, God, I haven't. My other half loved that, though. She's in the second season. Any good in that? <sighs> no, I didn't realize it was Kat. I saw <laughs> it afterwards. No, I know this voice. She's great because she plays someone who's like the Academy kids, but not been adopted by that. Okay. But she's just this grunge, and she's duplicitous, and she's she has a it's she's amazing. And I think amazing. she's she's very committed here, but it's kind of like she's a little melodramatic in the best way that but classic I, villains were in Doctor Who, you know. And and that's why I didn't recognize her because she's been asked to play a nineteen eighties Doctor Who villain. Yeah. She's a villain that could have appeared in Trial of the Time. Oh, for sure. I'd, I'd be it there is. for that. It is very much that high camp. Um, can, uh, we and Vic always use panto because it's the closest thing of your all's art forms that we don't have pantomime over here. But that's a – okay, is this panto? Yeah, it's kind of close. Yeah, I, I, she, she would not be out of stage uh, at our place at the end of the pier in, in a Christmas panto. It just makes me see how small all these other people are because she's a tiny little person. Oh, really? Well, maybe that accentuates the size of the Jadoon as well because they're supposed to be. It does, and most and most they you know actors are are actually smaller. I'm six foot three. Most actors are most male actors are five ten, five to, to five nine. So if they can be when a woman's in heels, they can look eye to eye. Because Tom Cruise has to say it on an Apple box. I tell you what, this is very refreshing as well. We've moved, like, Rusty Davis, it was all very London, yeah? Uh, Moffat's oh. time, it was all very, well, uh, it was just very Cardiff, mostly, and or quite a bit of America as well. Um, Chibnall's taken us to Gloucester, to Leicester. We're in sort of mid-England now, and it's quite nice to go to other places, yeah? Well, I like that. Oh, God, she's such a good villain. And I mean, the quality of the shooting, the, the colors that pop off the screen yeah. with this new, with these new cameras and the new visual effects people, and the real set, you know, that, I'm assuming that's really Gloucester Cathedral. Ah, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Inside, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, that's definitely not a set. Look at the size of it. <laughs> yeah, we we don't have church. We have like one or two churches that big. You know what's weird is I've watched many, many people die in Doctor Who, yeah, and gone, yeah, oh well. In a minute, when this Jadoon gets his horn, oh, sorry, her horn ripped off, I'm sorry, I just can't handle cruelty to animals, okay? <laughs> like, oh, my God. I like that it's a she. Yeah, that's great. That the she, you know, it's that we can't tell, but... the And, and Jody and Joe Martin are so good together. They are, and I'll tell you what, I think they are very well matched. Later on, when they have like the scenes in the TARDIS and they're like toe to toe, their chemistry is excellent. I think it's what they give each other. And um, uh, the the guy, I'm not remembering his name, the actor who plays the lead to do uh, Nick Briggs. No, he does the voice, but I mean the actor that does the body. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, he does all the giant. He does the big bodies. He's the lead big body. He's great because, I mean, these are. I, I love the Jadoon. I think that we they walk a certain way. They have the shoulders, you know, forward and stuff like that. That you that whatever going on in their body chemistry, you know, because the face is animatronic, you still see it. It's like the real yeah, actor. Yeah. It's a ma it's a mask acting at its finest. Well, it's like um. She, 
it's, sorry, sorry to interrupt. It's like in Classic Who. I think the best monsters in Classic Who are where they put actors inside the costumes and they give it a physicality, you know, beyond just standing there looking menacing. What is this love- Captain Jack subplot all about? Oh, it's a, it's a plot device to tell us about stuff in, for the Cybermen at the end of the season. It's is, just is, that. Is that a bit clunky, though? Is that a bit awkward? Like, just shoving I in? Find, I find it clunky and not needed. And just a reason to distract you from what's actually going to happen in the last 15 minutes of this episode. It's one diversion after another. It's masterful. And her, these scenes where she's just melting down. You know, and it all makes sense at the reveal. Oh, we've seen this before. We've seen this a couple times. I adore the fact that um, obviously we had the the opening um, watches, didn't we, in Human Nature and in Utopia. (laughs) They they take it to the next level now where it's the, the... What is it? It's like the fire alarm, isn't it? That she smashes. It's a case of fire break glass, yeah. yeah. And then we call him the pull handle here. We know the second she starts smashing it and light comes out, we're, you know, we've got like the the knowledge from before. Who did you think it was? I didn't think it was a doctor, not in a million years. I was thinking, like, oh my God, we're getting a new master. Is it the Ronnie? I thought Susan. That would be amazing if it was Susan. I was just about to say that. I would have liked it to have been Susan or Romana. But honest to God, the last thing I expected was it to be the Doctor. Oh, she's so good. Okay, so I've heard um, Jogi Whittaker compared unfavorably to Joe Martin. No, like people literally saying that Joe Martin has all like the charisma. I the... saw that in the, the thread. It was there this morning. It's yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like they're both the doctor. You know, Chibnall has made the point of it's not a MacGuffin. She is the doctor. Uh, if you want, we can have a little like, what would we like it to be? Because I have ideas of where I want it to fall. And I don't, you know, and I don't really care. Whatever you're going to give me, I'm going to accept it because I'm not in charge. I'm going to get what I'm given, but it's like comparing apples to oranges. I don't, I, I don't like to compare doctors at all. Well, you know, you either like one more or the other or you don't, but I think they're both great. Think of like the three doctors. Yeah. Where you've got Trout and, and Pertwee together and Trout is not like a charisma machine. He's funny and charming. And then Pertwee's there like a glittering light bulb, you know, pulling attention all the time. It's two very different actors doing two very different things. Oh yeah, and it's and it's that's the joy of the show, and that we've had all these different doctors, that we've had the War Doctor, and now we're going to have the Young War Doctor on Big Finish Audio. Yeah. Paul McGann has only got two filmed versions of him, but all that wonderful Big Finish stuff you know, was brought up. So you asked me the question about um, suspecting whether Joe Martin was the Doctor. Did you have any clue? No. And I, you know, if you can surprise me watching 50 years of sci-fi TV and watching a lot of it, there's very little television that surprised me a lot in the last year, but Chibnall, he did it twice in the season. Yeah. He did Moffat, never did. 
I think Moffat, uh, Moffat, like put it in the trailers, didn't he? A lot of the, the surprises, like oh my god, he treated it like it was a feature film in a lot of ways. Johnson's the way they market Masters. a feature film. Do you remember the yeah the, the very last one, wasn't it? You, we knew the Cybermen were back. We knew John Sims Master was back. We knew Missy was going to be back. You know, like it. There wasn't a lot of surprises there. But we didn't know that Bill was going to turn into a Cyberman. No, that's true. Before. Oh, um, can I just say, Ross? I really no. You, you know me. I'm I'm a little bit anti Moffat. I love Bill so much. I think Bill's one of the greatest characters ever created. Um, I love uh, Pro Mackey. I'm looking. She's got a new show coming out. She's actually going to do another TV show. Oh, is she? It's a cop show. It's a, it, I think it's a procedural over there, um, yeah. which I'm liking because she's she's more a stage actor. But she did bring some subtlety to that character, you know. No, she was a far. But sometimes I watch it and go. Why aren't you famous as hell? Yeah, she was so charismatic. And that they went and found her in a play. She hadn't done too much. She done a couple tiny parts on TV. She was um, doing a, a wonderful piece, The Night of the I cannot remember, The Night of the Dog oh, or whatever. Yeah, in the day. Yeah, I know it's what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They've done it two different theater companies in Richmond have done that play. Um, it's a great piece. She's wonderful. Um, I never thought I'd like Nardole as a companion. Oh, gosh. Nardole. I, I, weirdly enough, you look at those three very disparate characters, and it shouldn't work, right? It shouldn't work. Like, no, it's, it's, they become a family. It's a wonderful thing. It's, it's fucking it's gangbusters, man. It just rocked yeah. in that season. I, that's my next cosplay. I'm going to shave my beard and go as Nardole. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> you need to put on a few pounds as well, though. Well, every time I shave my head and I mess up my beard and I have to go complete shave, my wife goes, right back. <laughs> no, right now. Make it magically appear. You look like Uncle Fester. We are we are heading towards the sequence in the lighthouse. And yes. The direction. Yeah, so we're, we're, the I see how disengaged we are with Jack. I hate to say that. Yeah, but it's just, it's all, it's not needed here, is it? No, it's just, it's it's more distraction, more distraction. It is, but it's also setting up the Cybermen arc at the end. It is. But I don't know, though. You watch the, uh, Diodati, essentially, the Cybermen time. I think it's all there. You don't really need well, he does, she, she doesn't do what he says. Yeah. <laughs> but um, going back to what I was saying earlier about uh, these sequences in the lighthouse, like, in terms of direction... <laughs> This, uh, the car, the shot above the car. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And there's the a shot in a minute where she's at the top of the lighthouse and the camera swoops around. It's just, it's it's cin cinematic. It's that good. Oh, yeah. This is, this is where it's, and I think it's intentional. I think the simplicity of the early scenes and all this stuff and the simple cam. I mean, you got the beautiful, I mean, they're paying for the special effects, but you got the beautiful orbital stuff with the spaceship and stuff like that. The nice beginning with the lens flare, it's very artistic, but it's just a straightforward, you know, TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it feels and then it's these, this is where the scene in the car where she's questioning Ruth, it's, you're getting tenser. This is where the tension's building. Like, you're, this is where I started to go, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Well, this is the point where I was starting to go, well, this is clearly about you now. Like, the shift has gone from the husband. Yeah, it's, okay, what her. is up? Because you've killed, Jack's gone, and you killed off the other guy. 
What is the surprise? Can I also do a shout out here for Segan Akinola's music? Because the build up of music in a minute where she smashes the glass and she finds the grave and the TARDIS, it's just some of the most beautiful music. Like, like you, I think I, well, I don't know if you said you preferred Murray Gold, but I know you said you really liked it. I liked him. It's, it's, he was, he was, I call him the John Williams of Doctor Who. Oh, for sure. And, and you know what? It's, you know, he had 10 seasons to make his mark. Like, it's not even a yeah, fair comparison, not, is it? None of them. No, did anyone else do as much Doctor Who music as he did? Dudley Simpson? Yeah, but he, he didn't do every note. And, 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 and Gold didn't. He would reuse themes. He would, you know, create themes. But see, at this point, she's scared. So... Let me ask you this. Do you think she's starting to figure out that she is an altered person? Could it be a Time Lord? Could it be the Master? Could it be... I, I No, well, I, I read it as just, like, she's drawn to this thing. She doesn't know why, but she's bloody scared that she's going to find out something. But, I mean, for Jody, I'm Oh, Jody. sorry, I thought you were talking about Joe Martin. Um... No, because when she pulls back the mud and sees the, she's horrified, isn't she? Like she's, yeah. The, this oh. is one of the great shots, and the lighthouse is one of the great shots in here. I mean, you, oh, my word. this is this is. Um, there's not a lot that you could say is iconic, but this is iconic. This sequence. Oh no! I love that. I would love a. I'd love to see someone with Je like Jeff or Sophie Caldry. You know her art. Mm -hmm. Just to take a, a freeze frame of her from the like where the camera is like up like three quarters above her and shooting down on the side of her head uh, at the very tail end of that that swing because it's gorgeous. And just change with the lighthouses or something else. He could do so much. Jeff could do so much stuff. Well, there's not many Doctor Who stories set in a lighthouse, is there? I can only think of one. Fang, which is still one of the greatest. I can watch that over and over again. Horror Fang Rock. I think I've watched it. It's been on that Pluto channel I was telling you about like three times in the last three months. I've watched it twice. Oh, it's it's and in terms of like a thick atmosphere of horror. I think I don't think it was bested. This and the, did you realize that's what this was? I mean, I originally went, "Oh my God, she's a Time Lord. Who the hell is she?" So as soon as she smashed the glass, I was like, "Yeah." And I, I my money, like I said, was on Susan. I was like, "Oh my God, they're going to bring Susan back." So then, when she says, "I am the Doctor," I was literally going, "What? What?" Like my other half, like staring at me, like, "Are you okay?" The the sheer terror in Jody's eyes. When she knows, even before she see, we see police, that she knows what the hell it is. Do you think, I mean... Do you think Joe Martin deserves a season of her own? Yeah. Do you think it's going to happen? All right. Uh, do you want me to say? No, I don't. I think Paul McGann, after the night of the Doctor Little mini episode, deserved at least five or six episodes. 
Um, I don't think they're going to do it. I mean, maybe she's so good. It's it would be if this is this and uh, yeah, big finish do do whatever we're going to call it. The fugitive doctor, the what is this agency doctor, whatever. I don't know though. Do you know, I I I love big finish and I love the fact that they kind of plug these gaps. But I don't want to don't like take all these one shot wonders and explore them all on audio. I just I agree, and I agree, I, and this is one I definitely War Doctor. I get it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. And, and the War Doctor stuff I really love. The War Master, the Derek Jacoby stuff is just mind alteringly good. He, have you ever um, heard him on the interviews, like on the extra features? He's, he's so yeah. like inoffensive, isn't he? And yet, as the War Master, he's fucking terrifying. Oh my god! One of my favorite. I want. I love him. I'm a huge Kenneth Branagh fan, and his chorus in Henry V is one of my favorite moments in any film. Really? But did you ever watch Vicious? I no. No, I haven't seen it. I worked with enough actors. Oh my god! And Ian McKellen's actor is this is bitter old man, and his claim to fame is I was in Doctor Who once when it was black and white. So have you known that? <laughs> have you known that person then? Having worked in the oh. theatre. You have. Okay. <laughs> You're not that good, honey, and you are old and tired. Uh, can, I, can I ask but, you about the intense lens flare that's occurring in Joe Martin's TARDIS? It's very Star Trek J.J. Abrams. Do you know how they achieve I, that? I don't know. Jeff said how they do it. It's how they aim... Um, the, they're aiming the lights off of mirrors. Yeah, there's literally so so there's a sequence in Revolution of the Daleks where they, they showed you behind the scenes and a man is holding up like a bit of silver and they're pointing a light at it. And it's like that's a very weird thing to do. To create it's a disco effect. ball. It's the same it's all a disco ball does. I mean that's a, basically all it is. What do you think of this TARDIS set? Oh, it's beautiful. Anything, anything at all that references the original TARDIS set. And I think they're all kind of riffs on that. I just love. I do too. This, I think, my favourite of all time is the Paul McGann TV movie one. I and I completely get that. Yeah, that's... That's that's a beautiful set. And I like Matt Smith's Brassy set. Is that his second one? First one. Oh, no, that's my least favourite, you know? Really? Because I don't like the Capaldi one or his at all, his second one. Oh, oh, see, and I love that one. I prefer it once Capaldi puts all the bookshelves in it. The the trouble I have with the Matt Smith one is it's a bit too glass and chrome for me. It reminds me of the 80s too much. Um, Yeah, I just, it's a little, it's somewhat H.G. Wells and Victorian and steampunk for me, which is why I like it. But then I really but, love but, the the coral one, the Rusty Davis one. I love that one. I think that's a that that it's a living creature. Yeah. But I do think I do think that the first season one and season two of Old Who is still the best oh, of the original. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, and do you remember the, in um, Hell Bent when they absolutely did like the old fashioned pristine white console? God, it was gorgeous, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was because I've been rewatching. I think the last time you see a very good in Tardis interior is early. Colin Baker, really. That's right. You know, yeah. the room gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But I love this one. This one, this one could be with a little less lens flare, could be any Doctor Stardust in the future one. But um, I, I love her in it. She, and Joe Martin takes to that set and that console like she's been doing this a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the thing that she is the Doctor. Yes, I'm the Doctor. From her first line that she's a Doctor is you, you buy it. 
You don't you don't <sighs> doubt it for one second. Oh no, I don't doubt it's a trick. I don't think it's a trick. I don't think I'm thinking maybe a future doctor, or whatever. And and the animosity between her and the villain, there. Bring so them back. Did you, what did you think then? Did you think this was a future Doctor, a past Doctor, when you first watched this? Well, I just finished. I let it finish, and then I, I thought about it, and then I got Jeff, and uh, I read The Missing Adventures, and I knew what Season 6B was, and mm-hmm. and I have... and I, I, I would not be bothered if it's a pre-Hartnell doctor. No, I'm not either. I, I rather I'm like not. I'm ultimately, if you tell the story, don't just say it is and don't, you got to give me something. You're going to have to show me, you're going to have to show me that transition. Do you yeah. know, I would absolutely be behind. If they were going to do one of these spin-off shows, yeah, the Joe Martin docs are working for the division, which is like the, the intelligence. I would love to see that. I think that would be amazing. I, You know, and I think it would be great. And there would be ways to do it to where that doctor thinks he's the first doctor. And we've seen that, the, you know, we find out later that the division's been erasing and erasing the doctor's lives. And maybe it's it could be, I mean... I got. Do you want to hear my? Th- I've got a couple of theories. One, oh six, my two. God! Do I want to hear your theories? Go on. Okay. One, it is six season six season six B. Uh-huh. There's a regeneration and then another regeneration. That there's this is an extra. There are several. You know all the missing doctors because I even bought that charity book that had all the missing. You know the the Mor- Mobius doctors. Morbius oh doctors. yeah yeah yeah. Because I love Paul Haney's art. I have a bunch of prints of his entire. I bought. 20 of his Antartus interior prints. I just haven't framed them. I found a place to hang them up. Um, if that theory holds, though, the Series 6B one, then is the whole thing about the Timeless Child a big lie? I don't think... Th- that's one. The other is that it is a pre-Hartnell and that whatever causes them to start over is bigger than just multiple personality, multiple regenerations. It could be universes, like the doctor's journey. There are doctors always, and something happens, and then it's something more complicated. Okay. Like, where does the timeless child come from? Because she came through that portal, mm-hmm. which means she's from another universe. And Chibnall said she's not a parallel doctor. Yeah, he so specifically what I'm saying said is, that, didn't he? Something happens at the end of every cycle of Doctors, whether it be 13 regenerations or 100 regenerations, that the universe reboots a little bit and they forget stuff. That's exciting. I quite like that, you know. You know, like the sacrifices, Joe Martin's Doctor is the last of that series and she and Jody do something. Jody regenerates into someone else and Joe Martin regenerates into a young William Hartnell's like, so it's like a cycle that goes round, but or something like that, you know, that there's something that that because there's a going, you know, that timey wimey, that time's not a straight line. Well, do you know what we've done just there by discussing that and discussing the possibilities? We've shown that Chris Chibnall has opened up the series and brought the mystery back to the show. We don't know. Which is what you want? Yeah, yeah, we don't know, and I don't mind. And we're sitting here going, Ooh, "What would I do?" And see, I love this. She's just done the mind met with the, the villain, and she's showing this is what. This is what's happened to Gallifrey yeah. now. now. You are from the past. I am your future. Yeah. Oh, the... And then she knows that Joe Martin's like, no, I've never created a sonic screwdriver. Why would I? 
What are you talking about? And I think they deliberately had the TARDIS buried in the shape of the police box. So fans were like arguing, well, no, it can't be uh, a pre-Hartnell Doctor because the TARDIS was created in Unearthly Child when he went to the 60s. And I, and I, well, maybe I, this doctor, maybe this doctor, maybe that's why Clara points out that tarnish. He's literally fucking with people. He's literally, oh, yeah. he wants oh, people I, to I, have these conversations. Oh, I know. I already have that headcanon that the tarnish, the doctor, whatever this future version or Joe Martin's doctor has gone back to Gallifrey, regenerated, forgotten, her mind's been wiped, and they've reset the TARDIS to its shell configuration. Knowing that the doctor's gonna, and that's why Clara goes, no, I think I'll, you'll like this one more, because he's actually gonna walk into the wrong TARDIS. And Clara, and, and Impossible Girl is. I'm starting to think you'd be a pretty good showrunner, you know. I've read way too much of this crap, and, <laughs> you know. Oh, it's like, um, but th- I think that would be. I think any of it would be good. I I just want to see more of her. Yeah, I I would. Like I want to see, and back to the timeless child is when the Joe Martin version in the Matrix pops up. Remember, the Matrix recordings are damaged. Mm-hmm. Okay, one, the master says they're damaged. Two, Jody's doctor, thirteenth doctor, is in a great deal of pain, and communicating with the Matrix is always difficult and shows you lies, right? Yeah. And three, the master's an idiot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and he thinks the dumbest plans, thinks he's right, and then you find out he's like, you know, how many claws of Axos? You just talked about that with Lucy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, my plan is shite. Well, he does the same thing in Terror of the Autons, doesn't he? Oh, I'm going to take over the world with the, with the nestings. Would you think they'll differentiate between you and me? Oh, yeah, shit. All right, I'm going to help you to defeat them, you know. Like, come on. The master's an idiot. There's still, do you know, there's still the possibility, yeah, that the master's wrong. And, like, he's the timeless child or, you know, and this whole thing has been one massive fucking diversion from whatever he's going to drop in the future. Now, if it's that, if he dares to do that, I will applaud him till the end of time. I I still think, and this is something I've just been thinking of recently, that they're the same. The master and the doctor are the same person. You think? Why not? He maybe for a cycle of regenerations, they wipe them and try and and set them together. You've said, you know what? You said so many notions in the last ten minutes that would make like the not my doctor brigades heads explode. I love it. I hope they're listening. Oh no, I would love to. I love blowing their minds because I just the, the animosity to, and I get in trouble because I sometimes just go. I'm t- I, and a lot of the anti Jody is this incel garbage. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just like you've never felt the touch of another human being, and I'm sorry, but <laughs> maybe the reason you haven't is because you're a dick. <laughs> it's such a it's such a fixed view of the show and an unwilling. Some of them do it just to troll. Oh, of because course. they think yeah. it's and cool I, and to I, be And a I troll. think they there's genuinely just... enjoy doing that. You know, I think that's, that's... yeah. They like to trigger for. There's some people that get triggered, and Jen, and it bothers Jeff sometimes. And I'm lucky that I don't get hit by it, and I'm not. And it bothers other people. And Jeff had to close because there's so many nasty people. And I think he's right to change his username and yeah, kind of private. Yeah. Yeah, I because because he will def- he'll jump to someone's event, defense. 
I won't say anything, but I will report some until they get kicked off. He just wants to love it all, doesn't he, Jeff? Like, and yeah, I he think wants that's, to that's that's that. He doesn't like thing. seeing people pick on other people and try to pick. And he, you know, he can defend himself. He's not worried about them ticking him up. He's 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 defending people that need. Just he's trying to help people, and I think that's a great thing. And just and he because he's such a positive who person in this community that. It's it's it, he's it's needed because they're not my doctor and these people and I think they're dying out. I think they rear their I, ugly head. Well, I, I always, I always latest... say goes, this thing goes with a cycle, right? It comes on, they hate it, yeah, and then a few years later they go back and watch it and they reevaluate it. And this happens. Oh, all you the know, this time. is this era that people are going to hate while it's out, and then five years it's going to be oh my god, it's like sixties year. Yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't everybody it? hated it. I, you know, I just, I did a rewatch and I really liked it. And then me, Vic, the last time, I think maybe the surgery one was when we did the entire, uh, in one sitting, we did all of Trial of the Time War. Oh, that's That might have been my surgery that recovery. That is bold, my friend. <laughs> but I loved it. And the blue, the are you getting the Blu-ray box sets? Oh, of course. Yeah. I've actually, um, I got my first UK version and I love it. But I think, you know, um, it made me reevaluate Trial of the Time Lord. That box, that's amazing. And I watched four different versions of, you know, some of the three, and it's really much better than I thought. Well, I said to you but earlier, love... people will write off an entire, and I've had so many people write off that entire season. There, there cannot be a season of Doctor Who without any merit. They just can't. No, I think I think Mysterious Planet is one of the best Perry Six Doctor because they let him be friends. Yeah, yeah, it's great, and I, it's a Robert Holmes story. Whatever, be quiet. Mind Warp has that phenomenal uh, last episode, which leads up to a very dramatic climax. Yeah, I'm, I have some. Pro I'm not a big Sil fan, so oh, okay. he kind of. But no, nah, no, nah, it's just not my thing. I, I, I do I, appreciate him in that. He's a great villain, and that's a really kind of creep. That story held up a little better. The Yukano stuff bugs me, and it's and the the, the torture of Perry bugs me. It's like stop it. You don't love that Brian I, Blessed, honestly. Oh. <laughs> I do. I do love Brian Blessed. I, I mean, he's in a lot of Bronick movies because he was in Bronick's Theater Company. He's great in. Um, I love him in Shakespeare. He's he's built for Shakespeare, um, but I think Terror of the Verboids is one of the oh, so quintessential. This is a Doctor. You can show that to someone and go, "This is a Doctor Who story." Yeah, it's so structured. And I I, and then, I will just give my heart to any Pippin Pippin Jane Baker script just for their dialogue. I she get they get a lot of beef, and I'm like. But Mark of the Ronnie's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, I, I love time of the Ronnie, but then you know, I, we... my favorite thing is Kate O'Mara doing the best buddy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. We just we just talked about that one, Jeff and me, in the episode about first episodes, and I just I think it's great. The My Little Pony aliens kind of creep me out because it's almost fetish. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Doctor Who is full of fetish. <laughs> oh, it is. I watched Creature oh, from the Pit hey. the other day, and the gimp masks in that is terrifying. I used to, I was telling you before we started recording, I worked in an after-hours gay club in the 80s and 90s, and we had leather night once a year. Wow. That was eye-opening to a 20-year-old uh, straight, straight guy. <laughs> okay. Um, I can't help but notice Fugitive of the Dejun has ended while we're talking. 
I know it is. So, um, yeah, I love it. I love this episode. I was very, when you sent me the list of the Jody ones that were left, I was like, there's one I really don't like a lot, but it's okay. Which one was that? Uh, the season one finale. Oh gosh. The battle of run score after. Oh, it's pretty dreadful, isn't it? It's, it's inconsistent. I think it's that lead actress as the guest star is a little, she's great. And they're at, and Mark Addy's okay in it, but it's just, it needed, it needed, there need, it's what I call that hand in the room when they're having the meeting, when they've done the read through, someone in the back wall, you know, all the important people are in the circle and then the people in the back row are going, if someone in the back row needs to raise their hand and go, Ugh. yeah, this is, Can this is, doing, this script's this really needs another dull. pass. Yeah. This needs another pass. Can We've we, got uh, one of the best actors from Downton Abbey in this, and you want to give her this terrible role? Oh, dear. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, but the other is um, Demons of the Punjab, which I just, I love an historical and I don't, I would like a true historical. Yeah, yeah, I mean, me too. I would, I, I would love, because I'm one of those people, it's like people go, which which missing Doctor Who do you want to return? And it's like, I'm one, I want the massacre. Oh, so yeah, mine would be the massacre or Marco Polo, are both pure. Historical. I'll take my. I'm not complaining, but I would really like to see Hartnell play the uh, Abbot Ambois. I'm a huge Stephen Tyler, Stephen Taylor fan. Mm, yeah, me too. I think Peter Purvis is wonderful. I think the Vicky Stephen Do first know, Doctor Ear is on amazing. On Twitter, I wrote a tweet ages ago, actually, which was retweeted by Peter Purvis this week. <gasps> so he found it from months back. So God knows how he found it where I said that Peter Purvis basically is responsible for the longevity of Doctor Who because Hartnell wasn't able in Series 3 to hold up the show. Peter Purvis absolutely holds up the show in that season. Oh, he does. He does. And um, me and Jeff, Jeff, Jeff and me have talked about why they do first Doctor stories and Big Finish. And I like the David Bradley and the Adventures in Space and, t- in space and Time actors playing the parts. I think the young lady who plays Susan, she sometimes her her res her uh, res, whatever perceived reserve pronunciation. It's a bit is a bit um, much, yeah. It's a bit much, she but she, like does, she, BBC she plays Susan very well. I like her. She sounds like her. I like it. And I like David Bradley playing William Hart playing William Hartnell doing that. Now the stories they've given them are great, and there's always one pure historical, but. The early adventure stuff with Peter Purvis doing the voice oh, of the first Doctor, God. and the ones he's did, they did with Jean Marsh before she retired yeah, from acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all of his with, all of his companion chronicles as the first Doctor as well. And this first them. set of the first set of the ones they just announced is him as Stephen and the first Doctor and a new actress playing Dodo. Oh, I'm there for that. Oh, I am I'm in, and it. Oh, and it's set in the monastery. The abominable snowman is set in. Oh it, yes, it's it's called something of Detsen, isn't it? The monastery of Detsen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my word. And then and the first second Doctor one is uh, Fraser Hines doing it, doing second Doctor. I love those. I just you know I think they're all good, and I do love Peter Purvis. I do. I think I really think season two of Doctor of the of of the original series is just. I'm, not the biggest fan of Planet of the Giants, but I like it. It's very much 1950s sci-fi. Uh-huh. So I gotta get it. Space Museum. I like the Space Great. Museum. All right. I think that's I mean, a good I mean, comedy that's being directed by someone who doesn't realize it's a comedy. 
See, that's what, and I'm like, um, I love it when Doctor Who does comedy because I think the myth, myth maker, not the myth, um, Romans is a masterpiece. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's so well oh, structured. It's so I've got to sit down and listen to myth makers very carefully because I've never enjoyed it. And the reconstructions that are out there are pretty bad. There's a new one out. I think Loose Cannon saw one last couple. I give it a shot. Um, and I, I, I joke on my podcast that the gunfighters is racist against Americans. <laughs> it's just some dreadful one, accents. One, they don't sound American, and there are too many damn Canadians in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's at least one authentic American in there somewhere. Uh, the guy that's in Star Wars. It's, it's Shane Rimmer. Isn't Shane Rimmer? Or is he? No, he's English, isn't he? Yes, yeah, Shane Rimmer. He's in Star. He's also the submarine commander in Thunder. Um, in oh, not Thunderball. the James Bond movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's him. Oh, he's. I don't God. know. He may. Yeah, he's an American. I think he's from New York, not New York City, but upstate New York. Aye. So, because they have a different accent. So, no, I joke about it because there are a lot of English actors in America playing Americans, and their accents are spot on. Uh, Lenny, Hen uh, not Lenny Henry, uh, Lenny James.